0: the base of it is black, but then it's big colorful flowers and it's it's very genie-like. And I look down and I start to laugh thinking, I hope I'm the only one on the elevator when I go to get the car. And so I'm at the elevator doors laughing when they open and there's this big guy standing on the elevator. And there I am with Jesus and case laughing. So I walk into the elevator and I, I, I think, how can I explain this to this guy? And I'm thinking, he doesn't know me. I don't know him in an explanation, so I didn't say a word. But if I wanted to say one thing, I would want to say, don't judge me. Don't judge. And I've got a sore throat today and this thing is going in and out, so if I stay closer to the pulpit, I forgive me. Today we're going to talk about one of the most misunderstood and misquoted scriptures I think that there is um, about judging. Maybe I wasn't playing that wrong. You remember when you would draw a card from a community chest? I always liked getting this one. Remember this one? It's a good one to have. The scripture today that we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You (coughs) better. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So, is that a get-out-of-jail-free card? Scripture? Can we live any old way we please without consequence? Are parents wrong when they judge their children's behavior? Today's world screams, don't tell me how to live, don't judge me. What's that mean? Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for your word that we truly need. Forgive us when we have attitudes that can find fault in others, won't look inward. When we gather in your house or in in your presence, we pray that I pray I don't look left or right or front or back but inside at who I am. And then I do the same as I'm in the world around me. Thank you for your teaching. Let us learn from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you say the look of judgmental society? TV shows, I think they can be court television. Ben, I'm just going to turn this one off here. They can be court television with different judges, and if you bring that one down a little bit, that would be better. There's dressing shows about what not to wear. Have you watched any of those? My daughter's roommate works at a store in Sandy Springs they do say yes to the dress. And I've only made it through part of one episode. It's as much as I could do. And the only thing I can say, if you're going to buy a dress, don't take anybody with you. It'd be so much easier. (laughs) 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 So on that show, but yeah, we live in a society that likes to judge. Let's put this in context. Matthew chapter seven is part of Jesus' sermon on the mount, and one of the things that Jesus does. In this section of Matthew, it just really turned religion upside down, which is what it certainly needed. In chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, we see something Jesus does that's different. You've heard that it was said in those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you were angry with the brother or sister, you'd be liable for judgment insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council if you say you fool you'll be liable to hell of fire that was different teaching he goes on to verse 27 you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery but I say that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery through his heart well that's different Matthew 5 38 to 42 you've heard it said an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth but I say don't resist an evil doer but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other off <coughs> you, take your, take your coat and give your cloak as well. and it would force you to go a mile, and go to a second. give to everyone who vexed from you and don't refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. He goes on in verses 43 and 44 to tell us to love our enemies. Pray for those that persecute us, That's not what was happening in the day. The religion of that day had become very unloving and very rigid and very judgmental. The Pharisees were a very strict group of, exclusive group of Jewish leaders who were extreme and unloving and unforgiving and judgmental and they made all the rules and people judged religion by how they were and nobody wanted it and by what not wanted it either. And then Jesus said something to the crowd at the Sermon on the Mount that had to astonish all. Of them. In chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said, to a bunch of sinners, <clears throat> I tell you, unless your righteousness ex- ex- exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. They had to be startled when they heard that. Either meant they had to be really, really, really. really talking about, he was talking about the judgmental Pharisees. Let me give you a couple of examples that are very familiar to you. You know these. Luke chapter 7 beginning at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with them and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table and the woman of the city who was a sinner having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears with away. She continued kissing her feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who the woman, that is, who's touching him, that she is a sinner. It's amazing that two people can see the same thing and get such different lessons from it. The Pharisee missed everything good and wonderful in the story. And it's interesting to me that he had no desire to help her. Here she was at Jesus's feet, and he could have said, "Jesus, could you help her out? She's a sinner." But instead, he thought, "Jesus, you need to show her out because she's." A sinner. And that is the attitude that is so dangerous and it was so pervasive at that time. No desire to help, only to label. Later on, Luke tells another story that you know so well. Chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying, God, I thank you I'm not like other people. Thieves, rogues, adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. The tax collector standing far off would not even look to heaven, was beating his breast and say, God be merciful to me a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his own justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves would be humble, but all who humble themselves would be exalted. And as the crowd heard that, a spark started to light. And a fire started to grow. And sinners like me began to think there's hope. I'm going to be okay. You can love me. The Pharisees were so puffed up and in their own mind, perfect. And they divided the world into two categories, the sinners and the perfect. And there was no intersection of the two, nor did they want to meet. So, that being said, Look back at verses 1 to 5 of Matthew 7. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you give. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. You first take the log out of your own eye. See clearly to take this back out of your neighbor's eye. Uh, here Jesus is not saying we are not to judge at all, but he's saying we have to be very, very careful how we do it. We're to judge fairly and lovingly. If we judge unfairly and without love, we're asking for it. That's very clear. Verse 2 of Matthew 7, For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you yet. Remember the story that Jesus told about forgiveness from Matthew 18? Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars he couldn't pay. So his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife his children and everything he owed to pay to the debt. The man fell down before his master and begged him please be patient with me i'll pay it all his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt but when the man left the king he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time be patient with me i'll pay and he pleaded his creditor wouldn't wait He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. and They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man had forgiven him and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Should you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's a perfect example of unreasonable and unloving judgment. Somebody with a log in their eye trying to speck out another. So if our treatment of others is unreasonable, God promises that He'll take care of us in the same way. I don't want that. So how do you judge fairly? How do you do it in a correct way? That's what verses 3 to 5 are all about. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out <coughs> of your neighbor's eye. As a crowd heard this, I bet they were laughing. This is such a ridiculous picture. It reminds us of something the Pharisees forgot. We're all sinners. We all need a Savior. And we're all in the same boat. We just can't do it in a hypocritical way. It's ridiculous. If I'm a parent, and my child comes home from school with a note that he or she used a four-letter word in class, and I cuss them out, we have a problem. But it happens. All the time. Ever had an obese doctor tell you to lose weight? It's confusing. What this is saying is that we should really work on ourselves and when we do that, when we see God in all aspects of our lives, we'll do much better in helping others. And that's what we're called to do. There are ways to judge people that help them, And there are waiting to judge people that hurt them. When we use love and compassion, we do a much, much better job. A friend that rides with a group of Vietnam veterans called the Patriot Guard, you've seen the Patriot Guard at military funerals and other events. In his time in the Midwest, he was uh, exposed to The protesters from the Westboro Baptist Church holding signs at funerals of fallen soldiers that they deserved to die. Other hideous things that they would do. And it really confused my friend who flirted with God but wasn't real sure about his relationship. We had a lot of opportunity to talk about that and about who God is and how he loves us. At first, he thought, when somebody from that church dies, I want to go with my motorcycle buddies and call the ruckus. And I understood that. And finally, when the pastor died, what, in the past year? My friend said, you know, I don't want to stoop to that. It's important to realize that when we view a situation, we might not have all the information. I remember a story I read several years ago, I'll never forget about a subway in New York. A man got on with three children, and the children were holding terrors. The man sat with his head in his hands, and the kids were roaming all over the train. It was pandemonium. These kids are terrible, can't you do something? The man replied, oh, I'm sorry, I'm your uncle. Their parents just died and we just left the hospital and I just guess we're not ourselves. The passenger never said another word. I can be so judgmental if I'm not careful. I've never had a beard or mustache in my life. Our son Taylor can hold his breath and look like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> I thought back to his days in college when he had long hair. I was not too happy. He looked like a hippie. That's my word. And he was the preacher's son. I didn't like it one